Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, before we start with the video, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Anchor, our, our sponsor of this video. They're our podcasting host website. They're amazing. Let me tell you, it's free. They'll distribute your podcast for you like they did for us, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many other sites. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership at all, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one single place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now, or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. Yeah, that's, I mean, you mentioned that uh, you never like you never thought that you would be where you are now, but obviously you got into coaching, and you mentioned why you you uh, love coaching so much. And obviously, if you could be a player, you wish you could still be a player. But those days have gone, and uh, you're a coach now. So, what if there's one person that really helps you become a coach? I know you got into real estate, but then you started coaching. What what really led you to be a coach, and why why do you love it so much? Uh, being a college coach instead of a different kind of coach? What makes you want to be a college coach? Yeah, well, um, like I said, I didn't go to college to get into coaching. I actually went to college to be a pediatrician. So I was a pre-med biology major for a little over three years. and But I, I, I realized I was doing it for the wrong reason. The only reason I was doing it is because I knew a doctor's made good money. money. And I yeah. had been so broke for so long and my seen my family – just fall apart and I'd seen my family struggle, my mom struggle. And I just was like, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to make a great living and, and this and that. So, and I, and I loved my pediatrician. I went to him until I was 26 years old. Uh, so, and he always made me feel better and he was always happy. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. And about my third year in college, I just realized I didn't love it. Number one, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And, and I was going to have to go to school for 10 more years. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for that. And I just, I just wasn't passionate about it. And I was doing well. And so, it, but it was a tough thing because I felt like I was giving up on my dream that I had had. But sometimes God has a different plan for you. And, and he gave me peace in that. And so um, I made a decision. I switched over to the business school. And I said, all right, I'm going to get my degree in hospital administration. I'm going to run a hospital and the doctors are going to work for me. And so um, – I went on and got my degree in that, and that was my mindset. I, in fact, I had already taken a job back in Birmingham with a company, and we were going to manage doctors' offices. We were buying their practices and, and this and that. And so we win the national championship my, 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 that fall of 92. So now it's spring of 93. I'm finishing my, my degree. I'm, working, I'm doing my internship at the hospital, finishing up my degree, and I went out to spring practice. So you got to understand, I mean, I've played three sports my whole life. I was baseball, basketball, football. I was always playing ball, always a part of a team. And so now all of a sudden, I'm not a part of a team. And I just went out there to the spring. And, and like I said, we're coming off the first national championship since 1979 at Alabama. So it was, it was a big deal. It's not like now where they win it every other year. Uh, and so uh, it was a big deal. And we'd had a parade. And, and I'm out there watching practice, and Coach McCorvey, who, who was my receiver coach and who I'd played for for three years, he was just like, you know, hey, you thought about coaching. You know, you'd be a good coach. And, 
Next thing I know, I'm talking to Coach Stallings, and I'm like, I don't think I want to coach. I don't, I don't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to school anymore. And, and next thing I know, Coach Stallings is over there, and he's like, hey, look, I need a GA, and you start in July. And I'm like, going, I'm like, I am done with school. And he's basically, he's like, I said I need a GA, and you start in July. You need to get a master's. And uh, so the next thing I know, I've called this guy, told him I'm not going to take the job. I'm going to get my MBA. And I still don't think I'm going to coach, but I'm like, all right, they'll pay for my grad school. I'm going to get my MBA. That'll help me be better prepared. And within a week of, of being a GA that summer, I knew that's what I was called to do. And so – that's what happens when if you if you're seeking God's guidance, He will align the right people and open the right doors along the way. And again, His plan's always better. And it was just like this, you know, moment of clarity in my life. Like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I've been prepared to do. And uh, and so, you know, the rest is history. And, and as far as coach coaching college, uh, that's all I've ever done. Number one. I've had opportunities to coach at the NFL level. I've had I've had two or three opportunities, uh, but I've I've just chosen to to kind of stay put uh, because I love the 18 to 22 year old. I've kind of I've kind of got a PhD in that group. Uh, I've spent my I've been one, and I've spent my whole life with that 18 to 22 year old, and I love the impact that I'm able to have uh, on, on that on that group of of, of people. Uh, and it's just it's just a lot of fun, man. I, I love it. I love the pageantry of college football. I love recruiting. You know, in college football, you get more than one first-round draft pick. You know, you can go sign as many as you want. And then they'll give you one. And, and then also I feel like I have more control of my destiny, of, of, of my, of, you know, success in the college level. And the NFL level, you got so many cooks in the kitchen from the owner to the president to the GM to the player personnel guy, the scouting guy. And, and – um, so it's it's just been a great fit for me. Yeah, actually, we were about to ask you about the NFL, but thank you for answering that. Um, so next, you know, when we talk, when you say, but I always, need, I always say, never say never, never say never. All right, <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. But as I was saying, um, you know, after solid run like the last couple of years, a lot of people have been murmuring, you know, putting you amongst the greatest college coaches of all time, and and some even saying that you're on your way to being the greatest. You know, what do you think of that? I don't think of that at all. I really don't. I just, I just focus on today. Uh, you know, if, if, if that's God's plan, then hey, so be it. But I, I don't think about that at all. I just think about serving my players, serving my staff, helping other people be successful and reach their potential. That's really what I, I have the most pride in is we just had a reunion at Clemson, as a matter of fact. It was kind of the Sweeney era reunion over the last decade, and and had over 200 people. That was amazing, and and to meet some of those guys, 34 now, and 35, and 33, and 32, and they have their families and kids, and and the greatest blessing to me is not being the greatest coach one day or whatever. It's knowing that I was able to have a great and positive impact on my players' lives, and that I was able to help develop them into into great men and great husbands and great fathers and to see them go on and be successful and and to make an impact in in, in their with their platforms of life that's that's what matters more to me than anything hopefully we can win a lot of games along the way doing it the right way but but uh i don't think about that stuff at all uh i really don't that's good 
Uh, switching switching gears a little bit here. We've we've touched on football a little bit. Kind of want to get into a more personal uh, personal side. And so you know, me me Tanner and Johan, we're uh, we're reaching the age, you know, where you know we're gonna we're gonna meet a girl and we might want to settle down with her. So you have a beautiful family, beautiful wife. So whenever you met her, how did you know she was the one? Yeah, well, uh, probably not a good guy to ask. Uh, so I met my wife in the first grade. Uh, I was in the second. <laughs> And she was in the first grade. And uh, so, and we were just really good friends. In fact, my older brother dated her older sister. And so we would hang out and play together. But we went to school together, elementary, middle, high school. And then in the sixth grade, I kind of asked her to go with me. And, uh, and so we kind of went together for a little while. And then, and then we, I just decided, hey, let's just be friends. So she likes to tell everybody I broke up with her. But I just, I just had a lot going on in those days. So we... We just were great. We were always such good friends, first of all. And I always knew, like, she would be the type that I would, like, want to settle down and date. But I just never – you know, I was playing three sports. I was busy. I had a lot going on. And I just I just really – never really wanted to have a long-term girlfriend. And then uh, – but fast forward into high school, uh, you know, my junior year, uh, I was like, all right, I'm ready. It's time to – and so I asked Kathy. I asked her to out on a date, and uh, so we went out, and the rest is history. Uh, so we dated the rest of high school, went all through college, and been married 20, 26 years now. Uh, but, you know, I, I knew she was the one because she just, you know, she just was so genuine, and she loved me. It'd be easy to love me right now. All right. Uh, but she loved me way before. I mean, I didn't have a car. I had no home. I was living with a friend, sleeping on a, on, on my friend's floor, you know, in high school. I, didn't, I wasn't, you know, she saw some potential in me, but she, and she came from the exact opposite. She had a nice house. All of her family were, you know, PhDs and masters and, and this and that. And, uh, and I'm, you know, she would drive us on every date because I didn't have a car and I would, you know, she'd come, I didn't have a home, so she'd have to come pick me up at my friend's house, have a little town home that I was sleeping on the floor. And she just, she just saw me for who I was. And uh, so I knew she was the one because she was genuine and she just loved me for who I was. And, and she saw the potential in me. So uh, she, she's, a, she's a huge part of any success that I've had, that's for sure. Uh, because we, she's been there every single step of the way. Yeah. So you talk about Aunt Kath. Uh, I know I have a good relationship with her. Do you think that you would be where you are right now without her? If you, if she was on oh, your no. life? No doubt. No? no. No. The good Lord, number one. Uh, but but she, we've been a great team. You know, no doubt about it. She's she's she's. When you get married, you become one. And uh, yeah. and and we've been a great team. And she's, she, as they said, what was that movie, Jerry Maguire? She, she, you complete me. Uh, she, she completed me. She made me whole. And um, she covered up a lot of my, a lot of my warts, if you will. But no, she's, she's a huge part of the success that we've had. Uh, and, and being able, and just, and also just running our home and raising our kids and, and, you know, just, just the community and so forth. I mean, it's, it's truly been something that we've done together. So uh, the good Lord, number one, and Kath, number two, uh, for sure. 
changing the subject a little bit here. Uh, this is more a question for our listeners. You know, people love hearing famous people talk about other famous people. So you've met a lot of like famous people, obviously, um, that other people could only dream of meeting. Uh, Drake being one of them, I'm like his biggest fan. But uh, if you could have a dinner and invite only five people that you've met, who would they be? And you can have like any family members. Uh, I, that five people that I've met. Um, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, uh, I've met Shaq. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I'd like I'd like to have dinner with Shaq. Uh, I've met. Um, I have met. Um. God, let me think. I got all kind of. Uh, I mean, Drake would be okay. Uh, he might be interesting, but but I, I'm more I'm more of a sports guy. Uh, I've met Michael Jordan even though he doesn't remember it. So I'd put Michael Jordan in there. Uh, I've met Michael Jordan. I've met Shaq. Uh, I would say uh, I would love to uh, have my man Deshaun Watson in the mix too, just because, you know, I mean, he's famous now and I love Deshaun. Yeah. He's, he'd be awesome. Uh, I would say, um, uh, you know, maybe we'll throw President Trump in there. I, that'd be a great dinner. Uh, he'd spice <laughs> it up. I've met him. Uh so I'm just trying to touch all bases here. Uh, how about um, hmm? I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of any any actors that I've met. Uh, I haven't met many actors. Most of my people are uh, Deion Sanders. That'd be pretty fun. Wow. Uh, and then and then how about uh, Peyton Manning? That's a great. That sounds like a great dinner. <laughs> that sounds like a good little dinner there. Some, uh, some very interesting people. I can't believe uh, you downplayed Drake like that too. Our listeners are going to be hurt by that one. You said, "Oh, Drake, maybe." <laughs> but you you mentioned uh you mentioned uh Mr. Donald Trump. I heard that you have a very good impression of uh impersonation of Donald Trump. Could you give us a little line or two of, of your no, impersonation of Donald Trump? No, I'm I'm, I'm going to save that. That's that's for uh off camera only. Uh sure. <laughs> All right. All right then. <laughs> I'll say I'll save that for when you come play football for me down the road when you get the soccer behind you and you know you might be 25 26 you know it's like I said you never know what God's plan is and, you, you know your eligibility is all still intact so uh you might be like Chris Winkie one day you know he would I think he won the Heisman he was 29 Golly. so I have to nice to have options though it is yes very nice yes so um um, obviously I went to Clemson and, you know, football's a huge, huge deal there. So, um, I was, whenever you took over, Clemson wasn't the most successful team and they're not the team they are now. So whenever you took over, you were, you were challenged with creating a culture of belief. And what are the, some of the steps you, you took to ensure this would happen? Well, first thing is just getting everybody to learn how to think the right way. You know, I think that's the number one thing is, is to win in the mind first you got to win here before you're going to win anywhere else so creating an attitude of belief and then and then uh a, a culture of empowerment not entitlement you know a culture where you got to earn it you know through your effort your accountability doing what's right nourishing the concept of team and family uh, a culture of accountability and and as I, I always say you know discipline like what being articulate the vision like what's the vision that you have for your program for your players for the team and you got to be able to articulate that and you got to be able to say why it's that way and then you got to walk it you know you you can't 
compromise. And that's what so many people do. They compromise to have a good team as opposed to a great program. And I always stayed focused on having a great program, even if it meant I needed to sacrifice. And maybe we're going to lose right here, but, but I need to sit that because you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube. And so, you know, right out of the gate, just a no compromise mindset, staying focused on the long-term vision of our program and, uh, and just a, a culture of accountability, developing leadership, discipline, and then just getting the right people on the bus, getting the right people, you know, and getting the wrong people off. Uh, you got to create that buy-in and, uh, and get people who align with the philosophy that you have. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as, as a student watching the games, um, I always get goosebumps whenever they pump the, uh, the Tiger War through the speakers and the buses pull up and, and the team comes out of the gate and, and you just stand there and you touch Howard's rock. What does it feel for you? What does it mean for you whenever you stand there and you overlook Death Valley and everyone? It's unbelievable. It's like a modern day gladiator, you know? I mean, it's crazy. It really is. It's just indescribable. And I've done it many times now. But when you get off that bus and you just approaching the rock and there's just, you know, 80 plus thousand people going crazy, it is, it is one of the most intense moments uh, every time, every time. It's just unbelievable. And that's why I always, and it's a little uncomfortable too, because you have all these people looking at you and, and I, that's why I always just, you know, touch the rock and I just say all the glory to you, God, because I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And then I focus on just getting down the hill and not fall. Cause I don't want to be a blooper for the rest of my life. <laughs> I was going to mention that I've been um, on a, two of my visits that I came to Clemson. They put me up there right by the rock when everybody comes out, the team and stuff. And I mean, it's unreal being up there. The, the student section is going crazy, but I just have to ask, why do you run down the hill so fast? What is your motivation to well, get down so fast? Well, one of the reasons I wasn't quite able to make it to the next level in my playing career is I wasn't quite fast enough. And uh, I always wanted to know what it felt like to run a four, five, four, six. So it, it, it took a hill like that to make it happen. So just try to pick them up and put them down. And, and I just think you set the tone, you know? I mean, anybody can just ooze and get down the hill. But, man, I want to come down that hill with some purpose. And, uh, and then I always try to chase the band and catch them out in front of me. Uh, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Uh, I want to go back a little bit talking about your coaching. And, um, this is actually a question that my dad had, I was wondering, still there. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so you all, you talk about how, what your coaching structure is like, and that's for football, right? So say, how would your coaching style change? Say if you were coaching, I don't know, like Serena Williams as a tennis coach, like a sport that's just an individual player. Yeah. Would it well, change? I try to uh, – no, no, because first of all, it, I, I'm a relationship-driven coach. And so I think I try – don't try to – I try to coach my players with individual relationships. And I think that's very important. And I think you have to – so I try to coach each receiver as if they're the only receiver. And, uh, and I don't try to coach them different. I just try to meet them where they are, figure out – because some guys have further to go than others. And, uh, but I just, I just, I just think that it all comes back to your ability to establish a relationship and that trust and respect and having that common purpose, you know, in place that you're both trying to uh, achieve, but I wouldn't do anything any different. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, I know that, uh, it's, it's easier 
coaching a group of guys that you that you, uh, that you love and care for. But uh, since you got to the team, you, I, I've been in a bunch of uh, meetings with you where, you where you talk about a, a lot of good things and the core values that you have at Clemson. And I know every year y'all reset and go through all those values again. My, I've seen my dad's big books like super thick, and you go over all those things. How do you? Have you ever had a player, though, that doesn't buy in? And is it difficult getting all players to buy in? Because, I mean, there's a bunch of guys on a football team, and I know it's easier when one guy buys in and then another one buys in, but has, has there ever been one guy that just has been difficult to, to, to steer straight, and, and what do you do with that? Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, but but we first off, we try to uh, bring the right people in, and I think the main thing is to be very transparent on the in the recruiting process so nobody comes there. They come there knowing what they're going to be a part of so they don't get there and get shocked. I try to talk guys out of coming. I want them to know what they're getting into, what we're all about. I'm very thorough with that. So nobody can come there and go, oh, crap, he's serious about this class stuff. Uh, they know. And so that's one way I protect our program is by who comes in. But we also protect it by having a culture, kind of like a, a, a triangle, if you will. You know, you may have guys – I try to get those, up, those guys in the upper part, but sometimes you get a guy here, and so our culture has to squeeze them up. And that's, that's the accountability – the, the discipline, the structure. Uh, and so, you know, we do everything we can to help them. I always, sometimes we'll push them around in the wheelchair. Sometimes we, they're on their crutch and that's okay. But eventually they got to be on their own two feet. All right. And so otherwise they get squeezed out. All right. Uh, so, you know, we, 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 we do a lot of things to, to create that buy-in. Uh, but at the end of the day, they have to buy in. And if they don't, then, you know, I just they just don't play or they move on somewhere else. Yeah. So um, I uh, I recently saw um, Alabama is using Apple Watches to track their players, and I saw a comment you made on it saying you don't need those Apple Watches to know your your guys are doing great. So in this in this time of quarantine, how are you? Uh, how are you conveying to your to your team that they need to be focused on the upcoming season? Because it's easy for athletes. Relax yeah, well, the, the, the biggest thing is, is, you know, I, I, I didn't mean that as a negative Alabama. I just said, you know, our, our rules, our interpretation, the conferences were interpreting things different. And uh, that goes back to what we talked about earlier about, you know, one of the bad things. Somebody asked me a question and I just was like, you know, uh, our league won't allow us to, to do that. And, but, there's different leagues have different interpretations. Not that they're doing anything wrong, but but then I did make a point. I was like, you know, but even still, hey, I know our guys are putting the work in. Uh, I don't I don't have to monitor them. I know they are, uh, but we're touching base with them daily and staying on top of them. And 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 again, we've recruited guys that are very committed and uh, and 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 they want to be excellent and they know they got to put the work in. Uh, so our guys know that championships are won when nobody's watching when the stands are empty. And so they're grinding their tails off to get better. Yeah, I feel like we have to – while we're on the Clemson and Alabama topic, I'd like to touch on it because we have a question here. Um, you know, it's not often in football where respective rivalries are headlined by the respective coaches. You know, many people see it as Sweeney versus Saban. And with all the talk in the media, like before those big games, you know, it has to kind of cross your mind. Do you ever see it that way or do you ever – does that cross your mind? 
Yeah, it's, it's always been kind of weird. You know, the first time was really weird for me. Um, and I think it was strange for a lot of my family and friends. But now I don't even think about it. Uh, you know, I just think it's just kind of fitting that we won our first national championship, you know, beating Alabama with one second, and we threw the ball to the walk-on wideout to win the game win to, for the game winner. Uh, it's just sometimes I think God has a sense of humor. Uh, so, yeah, the first time was – Oh, isn't this cute and sweet? The second time we beat them, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute now, we don't like that. And then the third time <laughs> and the fourth time, you know, so, so, but I've got a lot of respect for Coach Saban and, and Alabama and what they've been able to do. I mean, it's amazing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, we recently, like, you, like we said, we had Will on, and uh, he's obviously coming in a great girl, man. What's up, Clay? How you doing? What's up? How's Clay doing? <laughs> He's good. But I uh, know we uh, – obviously we know uh, the whole goal of our podcast is to find success. So when it comes to success with your children and your family, do you think that you've reached success with, with them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're three good boys. and Obviously, I've been married 26 years. and uh, But, you know, they're all good stu- – they're all they're – all, they're all, they're all, they're all good students and work hard and they're, they're committed. They got great work ethic. So, you know, that's all you can ask for. They all know the Lord. They've all been saved. Uh, to me, that's the greatest victory I'll ever have. For sure. Well, well, coach, uh, we don't want to take up too much more of your time. We really appreciate you coming on with us. We know the viewers are going to appreciate it and, um, you know, go Tigers. And, and thanks again for, for coming on with us. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Chum chat, Thank you so man. much, Coach. Yes, hey, sir. Hey, sir. Let's, ch- let's chum it up again sometime soon. We should. Sure. Oh, yeah. good. For sure. For sure. All right. See you, guys. For sure. Have a good one, Coach. Thanks for listening. Uh, obviously, Dabo has a, has a bunch of stuff to say. Um, there's a lot more stuff y'all can find on the internet about him if y'all need some motivation or anything like that. Everything he has to say is, 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 is gold. So um, it really helps uh, me knowing him, growing up with him. It's really helped me in a lot of things, and he's been there to guide me in some decisions I had to make and things like that. But uh, basically, a bunch of the things he said are, are going to help me, Judd, and Johan, and hopefully they can help you all find success. If, if, if Dad was not successful uh, with his family and uh, his, his culture at Clemson, then I don't, know, I don't know what is. I mean, he's very happy in uh, his relationship with God and, and everything like that. And so I, I just want to let you all know that uh, he's doing well and, and uh, that me and Johan and Judd are, are going to keep striving to, to be like him and do well. But uh, I really appreciate y'all listening to this uh, episode. It's, hope, it's going to be split up into two parts probably. So uh, yeah, if y'all parts. listen to both, big props. Uh, a lot of good stuff to hear um, from Dabo. But uh, what, what do y'all think about that episode, boys? It was great. I mean, it's just kind of what – this is start of something new for us. I mean, they can expect more uh, – I don't know if you guys like Dabo that big because he's huge. But, you know, we're getting better and better and getting better and better guests each and every week. So, you know, just, just uh, stay tuned with us, you feel? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in to Trump Chat, boys. Uh, keep on the lookout for Dabo and the Clemson Tigers whenever this uh, virus ends. They're going to be back on top, winning our championship. I know we took the L to LSU, but uh, we're going to be back on top. Uh, we're all Clemson fans here, uh, right, Johan? So, yes, sir. Uh, we'll be repping the Tigers. But uh, keep, keep in touch with us, Chum Chat. Go follow us on the gram, chum.chat. Leave a Don't like, subscribe. Don't be afraid subscribe. to DM us. DM us next episode um, after this Dabo series. We're going to have a, just a boys episode I think will be good. And, maybe a Q&A? Uh, gonna, yeah, maybe a Q&A. So DM us any questions. If y'all want us to go through your profile like we did, 
uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, let, let me know. Just DM us. We're, we're there in contact. Uh, thanks for anything. If you have any questions for Dabo, DM us as well. We'll, we'll ask him for you. Uh, anything y'all want to know, we're here for y'all guys. So we, we, we really appreciate the love. Uh, we're going to come out with merch soon. So uh, be on the lookout. Some chat's coming to the top. Stay baby. tuned, baby. Yes, sir. Go find Go your find success, success, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go find a success, baby. Hey. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.